Does He who supplies the Spirit to you and works miracles among you do so by works of the law or by hearing with faith? Just as Abraham believed God and it was counted to him as righteousness. Know then that it is those who are of faith who are the sons of Abraham. And the Scripture, foreseeing that God would justify the Gentiles by faith, preached the Gospel beforehand to Abraham, saying, In you shall all the nations be blessed. So then, those who are of faith are blessed, along with Abraham, the man of faith. This is the Word of the Lord. Thanks be to God. Father, as we consider this important passage this morning, my prayer is simple and profound. I want to say that we believe, help our unbelief. For Jesus' sake, Amen. You may be seated. As I read through the Gospels, it appears that the Son of Man um, is not easily amazed or astonished. There are only two occasions where we read that Jesus was stopped dead in His tracks and said, I am amazed. The first of those comes in Mark 6 where Jesus is in His hometown among His own relatives. And the passage says that He was not able to do many miracles in Nazareth because of the lack of faith that was found in that town. And then Jesus said that He was amazed at their lack of faith. Their lack of faith was so deficient that Jesus found Himself being amazed at its low level. The other instance that causes Jesus to be amazed is found in Matthew 8. After entering Capernaum, a centurion came to Jesus and asked Him to heal his servant who was lying paralyzed at home, suffering great pain. Jesus said that He would go and heal him. But the centurion replied, Lord, I do not deserve to have You come under My roof. But just say the word and My servant will be healed. This response takes Jesus' breath away and we're told that when Jesus heard this, he was astonished, same word, amazed, and he said to those following him, I tell you the truth, I have not found anyone in Israel with such great faith. Then Jesus said to the centurion, Go, it will be done just as you believed it would. And his servant was healed that very hour. Now, there's a lot of observations that we can make here, but let me just draw your attention to two observations. The first one is that God acts in response to our faith. God acts in response to our faith negatively if there's a lack of faith or positively if there's great faith. Now, let me mention a very important caveat here. Uh, I am not saying that unanswered faith is always, or excuse me, unanswered prayer is always because of a lack of faith. That's very important. So I'm going to take that to an unbiblical extreme by saying if you're praying to God, if you're asking for, for healing and He doesn't heal you, it must be because you're lacking in faith. Okay? I do not believe that. That's very important. 
Because uh, after the service, we're going to come down front here. The elders are going to ask you to come forth. We're going to have oil. We're going to anoint you according to James 5. And we're going to pray. We're going to intervene on your behalf. And we're going to ask God to touch you. We're going to ask God to heal you. And I've said to some of you, I'll pray for you a hundred times if you want. And I really mean that. I'll pray every single week. If you say, well, I was here last month and here I am again. Great! Let's pray again. And I want you to know up front that if God says no, I'm not looking at you saying, well, they only had more faith. Matter of fact, I'll be honest, it might be because the elders are lacking in faith. It might be because Brian doesn't have enough faith. Or Bob or, or myself. At the same time, as we read through the Bible, we must realize that at the same time, again, God does act in response to our faith. But we don't want to be extreme and say, if you're not healed, it's all because you don't have faith. At the same time, we don't want to go to the other side and say, it doesn't matter whether or not you have faith. It does make a difference. You know, it's fascinating as we read Matthew um, 8.13 where Jesus says, go, it will be done for you just as you have believed. Imagine if after you got done praying, you heard a voice from heaven and God said to you, it will be done to you just as you have believed it will be done. Let me ask you this. Would anything happen? Just something to think about. The second observation that I want to draw your attention to is that uh, it seems that nothing moves Jesus like the absence or the presence of faith. Only two times in the Gospels do we see Jesus being amazed, astonished, and they have to do with a lack of faith or there being great faith. So if we want to touch the heart of God, it's important that we have faith. And Hebrews 11.6 is explicit here where the author of Hebrews says, without faith it is, does anybody know? Impossible to please God. Not just difficult to please Without faith, it's impossible to please God. So if you want to please God, if you want to honor God, if you want to glorify God, you will do so through faith by taking Him at His Word and believing His promises. So because of that, it would be difficult for me to overestimate the importance of faith in the Christian life. And Galatians has a lot to say about faith. Now, last week, we looked at Galatians 2, 11-21, and we saw that justification is by faith. Justification, that big word, uh, which means being accepted by God, which means being forgiven of our sin and having Jesus' perfect righteousness given to us. Justification is by faith. And the central verses were Galatians 2, 15, and 16. And some think that these are not only the central verses of that passage, but actually the central verses of the whole book. And let me just read them again. They're important. Paul says, For we ourselves are Jews by birth and not Gentile sinners. Yet we know that a person is not justified by works of the law, but through faith in Jesus Christ. So we also have believed in Jesus Christ 
in order to be justified by faith in Christ and not by works of law, because by works of the law no one will be justified. So last week we mentioned that three times Paul says we're justified by faith, belief, faith. And then on the other side, he said three times we are not justified by works of the law. So I don't think Paul could be any clearer. We are justified by faith alone regardless of our works. We are accepted by God because of faith solely. This is very important. This was at the heart of the Reformation. Martin Luther and then others coming after him rediscovered this doctrine. And it was liberating for the church because at that time, Christians thought to be accepted by God, they thought they had to go to church and pray and give money and buy indulgences. And Martin Luther said, no! All you have to do is put your faith in Christ and you will be forgiven. His righteousness will be given to you and you will be accepted by God. Martin Luther also said, justification by faith is the doctrine by which the church stands or falls. That's not an exaggeration because the doctrine of justification asks, or excuse me, answers the most important question that you could ever ask and that is how can a sinful person ever be accepted by a holy God? And the answer is by grace alone, through faith alone, in Christ alone, because Christ lived a perfect life that we could never live, and He died on the cross, paying the price for our sins so that we could go free. So we cannot overestimate the importance of this doctrine. Now, in chapter 3 and following, Paul is going to state that not only are we saved by faith, but we grow by faith. Not only are we justified by faith, but we are sanctified by faith. You might be thinking, there he goes, throwing out another one of those big words. Sanctified. What, what does that mean? Sanctified literally means it means to be set apart. It means that we are set apart from sin so that we can live holy lives and that we can grow in Christ's likeness. So sanctification just includes that entire process in the Christian life where we become more and more like Jesus and we have a greater delight in obeying His commands and, and walking with Him. Now, right here is where I believe many Christians stumble. We say that we are justified by faith and Christians say, Amen! Preach it, brother! <laughs> And you can say amen a little more. Need a few more amens in the church. Thank you. But then I come over here and I say, and we are sanctified by faith. And people are kind of sanctified by faith. Faith alone, that's it. All we have to do is believe. Now, you don't have to raise your hand here, but let me ask you this question. How many of you are weighed down by guilt in your Christian life? Because you think, I'm not working hard enough. I'm not giving enough. I really should give more to the church. I, I'm not serving enough. Uh, I'm not worshiping with enough enthusiasm. 
I'm not, I'm not mortifying sin enough, tolerating too much sin in my life. And because you're failing in one or more of these areas, you're feeling more guilty even right now as I mention these. You're like, oh yeah, you reminded me of another place where I'm not living up to God's standard. So I'm feeling even more guilt and the downward spiral continues to go down and down like being flushed down a toilet. You know what? So often we start by faith. We're justified. But then we think, okay, now that I put my faith in Christ, now I've got to work really hard. I've got to try harder. I've got to read my Bible more. I've got to pray more. I've got to fast more. And we find ourselves trying to be sanctified by works. And we're discouraged and depressed. And we, and we feel guilty. And, and it's, just, it's just not going well. And I really do think we stumble here because we, we start by faith, but somewhere along the way something happened and we thought we gotta, we gotta work hard and it's, it's not really going well. That's what Paul's addressing here. And we want to talk about the error and then we want to talk about the answer and the application. Those are the three points. The error, the answer, and the application. The error, is highlighted by Paul by using this term foolish twice. Oh, foolish Galatians, who has bewitched you as before your very eyes that Jesus Christ was publicly portrayed as crucified. Let me ask you only this. Did you receive the Spirit by works of the law or by hearing with faith? Are you so foolish? He says it again. Having begun by the Spirit, are you now perfected by the flesh? He says, you're foolish. He says, who has bewitched you? And it's interesting that who is singular and Paul may have Satan in mind. Regardless of the false teachers, he may see Satan at work here and he's saying basically by this term bewitched, uh, who has cast a spell on you? It's as though they've cast a spell on you and you're not aware of what, what you're doing. You're moving from, from faith to works. And then he says, it was before your eyes that Jesus Christ was publicly portrayed as crucified. You know what Paul's saying here? When I came to you, I presented the Gospel. And if you want the simplest version of the Gospel, it's this. Jesus Christ and Him crucified. That's the shortest version. Obviously, there's a lot more that we could say. We could talk about His perfect life and His, his miracles. We could talk about His resurrection and His ascension. But if you want a real simple shorthand, it's Jesus Christ and Him crucified. When Paul came to the Corinthians, he wrote, when I came to you, I determined to know nothing among you except Jesus Christ and Him crucified. And that's very important because we are saved by the death of Christ, not by any works that we can do. The death of Christ reminds us that the Christian life is all of grace. Remember what we saw last week in verse 21? In case you weren't here, let me remind you. Paul said, I do not nullify the grace of God, for if justification were through the law, then Christ died for no purpose. If you could be saved by anything that you can do, Christ died for nothing. But it's by grace and not works. 
And not a little bit of grace and a little bit of works. Mixed together. If you mix those two together, you destroy grace. And in Romans 11.6, Paul makes that very clear. Romans 11.6, Paul said, But if it is by grace, it is no longer on the basis of works otherwise, grace would no longer be grace. So that's, that's very important. But some of you are stumbling a little bit here because you're thinking, well, aren't I supposed to work? You are. And actually, you're supposed to work hard. I'll emphasize it even more. In 1 Corinthians 15.10, Paul said, By the grace of God, I am what I am. Yet His grace towards me was not in vain. No, I worked harder than any of them. Any of the other apostles. Sounds like he's bragging. But then he says, Yet it was not I, but the grace of God that was with me. So because of God's grace, we find ourselves working hard. Yet, yet here's the paradox. It's, it's not I, but the grace of God that's with us. Okay, verse 2. Did you receive the Spirit by works of the law or by faith? Isn't that a great question? I love it, Paul. Let me ask you only this. He wants them to think. Did you receive the Spirit by works of the law or by hearing with faith? I can ask you the same question. Did you receive the Spirit? Was it through faith or works of the law? Was it just simple faith? Or did you do something that really impressed God and God went, wow, that's amazing. I'm going to give you my spirit as a reward. Oh, they are ludicrous. And in verse 3, and this is really the heart of the problem, are you so, having begun by the Spirit, are you now being perfected by the flesh? See, that's what they were doing. They began with faith, God gave them the Spirit. But now they're trying to work really hard and they think they'll be accepted by God and they think they have to live the Christian life that way. Now, we've got, we got to be careful. As I said, I think it's very easy and subtle to transition from living the Christian life by faith to going by works. It could be something as simple as reading the Bible, praying, go to church. We're to do that, right? But why are we to read the Bible? Why are we to pray? Why are we to go to church to earn God's favor? No, no, a thousand times no. So why do we read the Bible? Why do we pray? Why do we go to church? We read the Bible so that we can listen to God. We pray so that we can pour out our hearts to God. And we go to church so that we can worship with other believers and have our eyes focused upon Him. We're not trying to earn anything. We're doing these things because we know that God works through means. God works through means. But here's something I want you to keep in mind. Use means, but never trust means. Trust God. I'm going to say that again. That's, that's very important. Use means, but never trust means. Trust God. George Mueller said, why do I carry on business? Now, I'm going to paraphrase. He says, Why do I carry on business to provide for my family, 
Yet, I'm not trusting in my work to provide for my family. I'm trusting in God. God says, work and you will be able to provide for your family. So, I believe God and by faith, I work. I do what God's calling me to do. And as I do so, I trust that He will provide for my family. So, I use the means of work to provide for my family, but I'm not trusting in my work to provide for my family. I'm trusting in God to provide for my family. You see the difference? It's very important. But even with that example, isn't it very easy to transition from trusting in God to provide for our family to trusting in our work to provide for our family? That's why if someone gets laid off, we go, oh, no! Very easy to trust in our 401k to provide for our retirements rather than trusting God for our retirements. And that's good news for some of you because you don't have a 401k. Okay, but again, it's very, very important. Very important. And again, I think it's very easy to start by faith and the Spirit and transition to works in the flesh. And then we find ourselves disappointed, discouraged, and frustrated in the Christian life. So that's the error. The answer is provided next by Paul, and it's twofold. Uh, first, Paul says, look at your experience. Look at your experience. And really, it's a very uh, pragmatic response here, but what did he say in verse 4? Did you suffer so many things in vain, if indeed it was in vain? Then he says, Does he who supplies the Spirit to you and works miracles among you do so by works of the law or by hearing with faith? God did miracles in the church of Galatians. And I wish Paul would have said, told us what those miracles were. Wouldn't you have liked to stop and write, well, what kind of miracles? <laughs> I mean, what was God doing in the church of Galatians, don't just say he did miracles. Come on, give us a few examples. But he doesn't tell us. That's not the point here. The point is, why did God work miracles in the church? Why did God heal bats? Why did God heal cancer? Why did God do... Who knows? But why did God work miracles in the church of Galatians? Because of works of the law? Or because you just heard with faith? I mean, would anybody say... Because I read my Bible for 30 days in a row, I never miss it, 30 days in a row, God healed my back. No, nobody would say that. If, if God's going to heal somebody's back, it, it's not going to be because you read your Bible 30 days in a row. It's, it's going to be because you're looking to Him in faith and trusting Him and maybe He will intervene. So he just asked, well, why did God, why did God do this? And it's, and it's very obvious. They would say, it's, it's faith. We didn't do anything to earn that. So that's, that's the first answer. The second answer is Paul says, don't just look to your experience, but also look to Abraham. Verse 6, just as Abraham believed God and it was counted to him as righteousness. Look at Abraham. How did Abraham live the Christian life? Well, he just... Believe God. And it was counted to him as righteousness. Abraham uh, is the example of us all. Turn back to Genesis 15, if you will, where this example is given. And we'll just look at it real quickly. 
Genesis 15, we're told, after these things, the word of the Lord came to Abram. That's important. The word of the Lord came to Abram, and the word of the Lord comes to us. And it came to Abram in a vision. Fear not, Abram, I am your shield. Your reward shall be very great. And Abraham's thinking, well, the reward is supposed to be a great nation, many children. That's what God promised in chapter 12. And so far, he has no children. So he just asks an honest question here in verse 2. Oh, Lord God, what will you give me? For I continue childless. And the heir of my house is Eleazar of Damascus. And Abram said, Behold, you have given me no offspring, and a member of my household will be my heir. And behold... The word of the Lord came to him. There it is again. The word of the Lord. This man shall not be your heir. Your very own son shall be your heir. And he brought him outside and he said, Look toward heaven and number the stars if you are able to number them. We probably need to pause right here. Um, We can go outside at night and we can count the stars. (laughs) I, I see three. One... But you need to remember, in the Middle East, on a dark night, I mean, the star just lit up with stars. I mean, they, they were just everywhere. Um, Abraham could not count the stars. And then he said to him, So shall your offspring be. And he believed the Lord. And he counted it to him as righteousness. Want to know how to live the Christian life? I'm going to make it real easy for you. I'm going to, I'm doing this on purpose because we have made the Christian life too complicated. We have too many hoops to jump through, uh, too many steps to take. The Christian life is very simple. We read God's Word, we look at His promises, and we say, okay, and we live according to those promises. That's the Christian life. It is that simple and that profound. Then verse 7, Paul says, Know then that is those of faith who are the sons of Abraham. You want to be a son of Abraham? All you have to do is believe. It is not those who are circumcised. It's not those who obey the law of Moses. It's those who are of faith. Remember that great Sunday school song? I hope, I hope you learned it. I learned it. Father Abraham had many sons. Remember that one? Mm-hmm. Many sons had Father Abraham. I have one of them. So, any of you, raise your hand if you, if you know that, that song. Sing it with me right now. We're going to do the Jeff. No, I'm just... <laughs> that song had a very profound truth. We are sons of Abraham through faith. In Christ. And, and look at Galatians 3.29. If you are Christ, then you are Abraham's offspring, heirs according to promise. All the promises given to Abraham are yours if you have put your faith in Christ. If you have not put your faith in Christ, I don't care if you're a natural descendant of Jesus. I don't care if you've been circumcised. I don't care if you're trying to follow the law of Moses. You are not a son of Abraham. You are not heirs according 
to prompt the sons of Abraham are Jews and Gentiles who have put their faith in Jesus Christ. It's, it's that simple. I don't know how Paul could be any clearer, but in coming weeks we'll see that he does try to make it clearer. But for now, those who have faith are sons of Abraham. And the Scripture, foreseeing that God would justify the Gentiles by faith, preached the Gospel beforehand to Abraham. Did you know that? Abraham heard the Gospel. In you shall all the nations of the earth be blessed. And that takes us back to Genesis 12.3. And this is where the Lord first called Abraham and He said, leave your father's household. Go to the land I'm going to show you. And I'm going to make you into a great nation. Whoever blesses you, I will bless. Whoever curses you, I will curse. And in you shall all the families or all the nations of the earth be blessed. That is the Gospel in seed form. Okay? But Abraham was told that a descendant is coming. He's going to come from your loins. A descendant is coming. And because of him, every single nation on earth is going to be blessed, which obviously means Jews and Gentiles. And it's all by just believing. You know, every once in a while, someone will ask me, well, how were the saints in the Old Testament saved? And I say, here it is. Here's how they were saved in the Old Testament. By grace alone, through faith alone, in Christ alone. The Jews in the Old Testament were not saved by works. They were not saved by works. They were saved by faith. And it's interesting, we're not going to go through this, but in Romans 3, where Paul outlines justification by faith, he then goes on in chapter 4 and he says, well, look at Abraham and look at David. How were they counted righteousness? Because of faith. In other words, what Paul is saying, it's always been by grace alone through faith alone. In the Old Testament, they looked ahead to the offspring who was coming. So Abraham looked ahead to the coming of Jesus. That's why when Jesus was on earth, he said to the, to the Jewish leaders, he said, Abraham saw my day and he rejoiced. How did Abraham see it? By faith, by looking ahead to the offspring. But we're way over here, 2,000 years later, we're looking back to Christ and what He did. But Christ is at the middle of it all. In the Old Testament, they looked ahead. We look back for our salvation. But salvation has always been the same way. Verse 9, So then, you can see a conclusion coming, right? So then, those who are of faith are blessed along with Abraham, the man of faith. I forgot to write it down, but faith is mentioned seven or nine times in this little passage. You can count them up. But obviously, it's at the heart of the passage. And notice, the blessing of God comes by what? Tell me. Faith. It comes by faith. Just look at Abraham. The man of faith. Wouldn't that be a great epitaph for his, for his tombstone? Abraham, here lies the man of faith. Wouldn't you love to have that put on your tombstone? Here lies a man or a woman of faith. Okay, well that brings us to the application. We live by faith, but we don't focus on our faith. This can be very simple here. We live by faith, but we don't focus 
on our faith. So if you're here this morning saying, oh, the pastor is right. I lived a Christian life by faith. Ah, my faith is so weak. My faith is so small. Oh, my faith is lacking. And if you leave here, ah, yeah, but shaking your heads. I thought I was going to be encouraged, but I'm discouraged because he's saying we're to live by faith and my faith is pitiful. Don't focus on your faith. Focus on your God. Amen. Listening to Sean Hannity a while back. My faith sustains me. I would rather that he had said, my God sustains me. Your faith doesn't sustain you. Your God sustains you. It's very subtle. You, you say, Pastor, what's the difference? The difference is looking at your faith, which really is looking inward. What kind of faith do I have in there? Ooh, it's not very good. Okay. The difference is looking inside at what kind of faith you have versus lifting up your eyes to the hill where your help comes from. Looking to God. That's the difference. And it makes all the difference in the world. What really matters is not your faith per se, but the objects of your faith. You want great faith and have a great object. Look to God. Grow in your knowledge of God. Grow in your knowledge of God's Word and your faith will grow. So where you have your focus makes all the difference in the world. Uh, up in Wisconsin, uh, you know, sometimes around here, but more in Wisconsin, uh, you know that they ice fish in the middle of winter. And uh, they have a great way of ice fishing. They just drive right out into the lake, let the tail back down, sit on the tailgate, and they just put the pole in the water. And uh, now, now, if you're from a country that's always warm and it never dips below 32, that, that, is, that is shocking. The this, this story told of a man who who went to Wisconsin in the middle of winter. It was first time experiencing winter. And he couldn't believe that people actually walked on water <laughs> in the middle of winter. And he, he saw people walking on the water. He just couldn't believe it. So, so yeah, you too. So, some of you can identify. So, you just, you kind of, your foot, right? You just kind of test the, let's see how it works. You know, Brendan was doing that last Sunday, you know, in the ATV. Is it going to hold an ATV? And then, and drove the ATV right on out there. So this guy who came from one of these countries was, was going up to the ice like this, te testing it. He wanted to see how far he could walk on water. And as he's going like this, walking on the water, a truck comes with some ice fishermen and they just drive right past him right on the water. And he's just, what, what's the difference? Faith, those guys driving the truck just had great faith. Well, the truth is they did, but why did they have greater faith? Because of the object of their faith. They knew, no, no, ice, it's this thick. I mean, you can drive, right? It will sustain you. You'll be okay. So if you want to have great faith, look at your God. Look at your God. Don't look at your faith. Don't leave here okay, looking inside this morning. How much faith do I have? Is it this big? Don't look at your faith. Look at God. Focus upon God. Where your focus is makes all the difference in the world. That's what... Why during the confession time, I said, where is your focus? Finances, problems, offenses, or is it on God? Peter walked on water. How can he do that? He was looking at Jesus. Hebrews 12. Therefore, since we are surrounded by so great a cloud 
of witnesses. And by the way, that refers back to Hebrews 11, which is the great faith chapter. That's the chapter where we read again and again, by faith, Abraham did this. By faith, Noah did this. By faith, so-and-so did By faith. So it's the great faith chapter. Since we are surrounded by so great a cloud of witnesses who did great things by faith, let us also lay aside every weight and the sin which clings so closely and let us run with endurance the race that is set before us, looking to Jesus, the founder and perfecter of our faith, who for the joy that was set before Him endured the cross, despising the shame, and is seated at the right hand of the throne of God. How do we live the Christian life? By focusing upon Jesus, putting our trust in Him. That's how you live the Christian life. You live it by faith. And living by faith, it's not just the best way to live the Christian life. It is the only way to live the Christian life. Because it is the only way that we please God. Let's pray together. Father, we thank You for this great reminder that You work on our behalf, that You bless us, not because we earn it with works, but because of faith. Father, I pray that this is a great encouragement to Your people. I pray that it's liberating. And Father, I pray that You will help us to go through this week focusing on Jesus, realizing that He is more than able to meet our needs. May we focus upon You, a God who is able to do immeasurably more than all we could ask or imagine, according to Your power that has worked within us. In Jesus' name, Amen.